Insurance adjusters at Brown O'Haver. Fire, wind, theft, or tornado, we can help. Call 405-735-5510. It's time for The Rush with OU color analyst Teddy Lehman and Tyler McComas. Got a question or opinion? Hit the guys up at 405-651-3439. Or call the Riverwind Casino call-in line at 405-329-9000. Live from the Buffalo Wild Wings studios, it's The Rush with Teddy Lehman and Tyler McComas. Last 36 seconds down. Got out of one. Hand picked up. Oklahoma will win it. Touchdown, Eric Bassey. The ball got away from Tyler Watts. A heartbreak for a young man who played so bravely here today. Yeah, that was back in 2002. Alabama down 30-27. They're marching to tie it or maybe even take the lead with under a minute left. Now the ball slips out of the back of the hand of Alabama quarterback Tyler Watts. Eric Bassey picks it up. OU wins, and they win it by 10 points. A great day at Owen Field. And one of my top three home games that I've ever seen because we're 100 days away from seeing this team play in Norman once again. And so I thought, hey, why, why not just conduct the three best home games I've ever seen? Um, number one for me is 2008 Tech. Number two for me is Bedlam in 2003. And then that 2 Bama game was number three for me. Poor Parker, though. He's only been around here since 2017. He has to pick from, like, uh, Iowa State in 2019, OSU in 2020, and Nebraska in 2021. Poor guy. However, he'll be around for the SEC. His home game experiences in Norman are about to get a whole lot better. At least I think they will. So there's that for you. Totally clean slate when we go to the SEC. So, yes, although my home environment experiences in Norman to this point have been the likes of 95-degree days where you win a what a five-point game against Tulane or whatever it was, uh, and eking out victories over TCU and Iowa State. When the SEC slate arrives, what we do know, if nothing else, is that the week-to-week competition in conference is going to be much stronger than it ever was for Oklahoma in the Big 12, and we have that at the very least to look forward to. Yep. Uh, honorable mention, 2020 Bedlam, venom in the air, even though there was a quote-unquote 25% capacity that night. A little bit more than 25% capacity, at least it felt like it that night when uh, OU rolled Oklahoma State. Uh, But there's been some good ones and some better ones, I think. Um, At least the list on a year-in-year-out basis is about to get a whole lot better moving into the SEC. Pierce, I mean, you haven't been around that long either. What's the best game you've ever seen at the Palace? Man, I was... You in Parker territory with not very many good ones? I mean, I've... I've got a great list of away games, but I've got pretty much nothing for home games. I mean, like you talked about earlier, this last year's Bedlam, that first quarter felt like it was going to be up there, but you know, it still was a fun game to be at. I think both those two Bedlams, but other than that, I mean, I think I've gone to way less games than even Parker has, so I really have 
no home games that really stick out to me as some of those that I'll remember for a long time. What a shame. I was at shame. the I was at the Baylor comeback though. So that stands for something. Yeah, um that would have been pretty sweet. But one of the reasons I think why you're leaving the, this conference, one of the reasons is the conversation that we were just having, guys, is that there's just not a whole lot of uh, great and memorable home games here recently. But, yeah, uh, 100 days until OU football, 100 days until that week one Saturday, which is going to be awesome. Parker, tell me what you think of this. It was 24-7 that ranked the uh, the best non-conference games of week one. No, OU and Arkansas State did not make the list. Far from it. They have for the top five. LSU and Florida State is the as the best non-conference game in week one. Colorado at that TCU tracks. at two. Florida at Utah at three. South Carolina and North Carolina at number four. And Nebraska at Minnesota at five. Is that list accurate? What is Colorado and what is Colorado and TCU doing at two? I would elevate both game number three and game number four over Colorado TCU because TCU is not going to be the national title contender that it was a year ago, and Colorado will be hard-pressed to make a bowl game. Yeah, I mean, I think the most exciting part of the Colorado TCU game will be the buildup before Dion running out of the tunnel, what he does in the first quarter because, look, I don't think TCU is going to replicate the season they had a year ago. But I think that they're going to have their way against Colorado in game one. Like, you, and you know why it's at number two. It's because of Dion. But I would tend to agree. LSU and Florida State, it's number one, and it's not even close. I'm fascinated by the Florida and Utah game. Billy Napier really could use a win there. And I would even put that nice quarterback matchup between Drake May and Spencer Rattler at, um, at number three. Dude, I might even move Nebraska and Minnesota in front of Colorado at TCU. At least Nebraska and Minnesota in Mac Rule's first game has a chance to be a good one up there in Minneapolis. I, I'm very intrigued by the South Carolina-North Carolina matchup because I think those are two football programs that have both the last couple of years been on the cusp of a breakthrough and just haven't had the ammunition to do it. North Carolina has been a double-digit win team several of the past few years, uh, whether under Mac Brown or I can't even remember who preceded. Was it Larry Fedora? Was that he, Did he directly precede Mac Brown at North Carolina? That might be correct, yes. That's, that's going to be my I think that's correct. Anyway, the, po- the point is North Carolina and South Car- Carolina have both been winning programs of late. They just haven't had a breakthrough. And you get... Uh, what is, I mean, does that qualify as a rivalry, Tyler, South Carolina, North Carolina? Are we going to call it that? Um, yeah, they can pretend that everyone else cares about the Battle of the Carolinas for week one. So, sure, yes. Uh, okay. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a rivalry no, I, for I them. In- they, they can have it. Yeah, but I am intrigued by it because obviously North Carolina brings Drake May to the table. South Carolina's got Spencer Rattler at the controls, and – You've got Mac Brown trying to piece together what seems to be one final uh, college football playoff caliber team before he rides into the sunset. I don't know if he's got the cast of characters to do it at North Carolina, but he's certainly got a quarterback that's more than capable of taking him to the promised land in that regard. And then you have South Carolina, a team that has made 
gradual strides in each of their first two years under former Oklahoma assistant Shane Beamer. And now they got a fifth-year senior at quarterback. They've got some defensive talent returning. If South Carolina is going to make their move in the SEC, if they're going to take advantage of a couple of other programs having turnover and having some question marks and positions that they got to replace, this is a year where if everything comes together for South Carolina, they could win double-digit games. They could put a scare into some folks in the SEC, maybe have a 2022 Tennessee-esque run in conference, but it has to start in week one with a win over Drake May in North Carolina. It's the uh, second-best quarterback matchup in all of week one. Number one is clearly Jaden Daniels and Jordan Travis at Florida State. Um, well, I, I, I say clearly. I mean, Drake May might be the number two overall pick next year, so maybe it's a little bit closer than that um, to number one. But I think the LSU-Florida State matchup, quarterback matchup is one, but South Carolina-North Carolina, yeah, with May and Rattler, at least the second-best uh, quarterback matchup of week one. Unfortunately, not too much to note from OU Arkansas State because we saw an early line yesterday, and it's like what you guess. OU minus 33 against Arkansas State is the uh, is the early line there. Yes, you are right. Uh, text line, by the way. Uh, who sent this in? Boomer G. Nebraska versus Minnesota. That is a conference game, not a non-conference game. Just meant week, week one games. Said non-conference on accident, but yes. Nebraska and Minnesota, even with all the crazy uh, conference realignment going on right now, maybe it doesn't feel like a conference game still, but it, it, is, indeed a, uh, it is indeed a conference game. Uh, okay, let me read a couple texts. 580, started school at OU in 99 and season ticket holder for several years. Best game, hands down, is 2000 Nebraska, and that was a long, long time ago. Eric from Illinois. Agree? It's the best home game in OU history, and as we discussed earlier, not only is it the best game ever, I, I did, I, it's going to take a lot for another home game in the future to you know put that one at number two. A lot's going to have to happen before that season, potentially, for 2000 Nebraska game to not be number one. Uh, a lot of you are sounding off saying, 2000 Nebraska best home game. I, uh, you're get, I am in agreement with you. You will get no fight from me on uh, on that one, um, boys. Hey Tyler, tell, tell tell them again why you didn't go to that game. Um, well, the Verdant Tigers had a big fifth and sixth grade championship basketball game, Parker. So I'm a team guy. I elected to play in the championship game, and as I look back at it now, I've made a lot of dumb decisions. That is the dumbest decision that I've ever made. The dumbest decision. I'll never forget leaving the basketball game. Uh, my parents immediately gave me a like a, a headset with the radio. I, I had headphones for whatever reason, and OU was down 14 nothing, and I didn't believe it was real life. I thought, like, no, 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 no. This team doesn't get down 14 nothing. That doesn't happen. And then, of course, they scored 31 answered and, and won the game. But, yeah, Parker, thanks for making me relive the worst decision of my life. I, I appreciate that. Thank you. Very hey, listen, I just you. I feel like we needed to just – for everybody that wasn't listening in the 3 o'clock hour, you know, we got everybody tuning in for the first time, getting off work That's at great. 5 o'clock. I just wanted to make sure they all heard the anecdote. Team guy uh, – sometimes team guys finish last, and I did on that October day in 2000, unfortunately. But, hey, we got a uh, we got a big-time softball game coming up at 1 p.m. tomorrow, and then game two will be Saturday at noon. Uh, we got to pick this series, Parker. I'll uh, I'll I'll give you the tee box here since you're at uh, Westwood Golf. What's going to happen in this uh, Norman Super Regional? OU and Clemson. 
who's winning, what do the games look like, how many run rolls, what's, what's, what's going to happen? OU sweeps this series handily. I think the first game will be closer Jeez. than the second game because it'll probably take Oklahoma a little bit longer in the first game to crack Valerie Cagle. But, look, OU is far and away the better softball team here, and I think they win both games in relatively unchallenged fashion. Okay, two easy wins for OU is what Parker says. Chalk it up. OU's rolling to the Women's College World Series with the longest winning streak in D1 softball history, according to Parker. Okay. That Valerie Cagle, who? Nah, Parker says that OU's just going to OU's gonna bat around in the uh, top of the first inning tomorrow. I, I know you didn't say exactly that, but you don't see much of an issue for, uh, for OU tomorrow. Okay, Pierce, are you in agreement, or you think this two-game series is going to be a little closer? I'm not going to lie, man. I think this one might be a little bit closer. I, uh, I think this has been one of the, if not the greatest softball team of all time, and I understand that. But the playoffs and postseason bring a different level of competition from both sides of the dugout. So I think this will be a little bit closer, but I still agree that I got OU in two. I just don't think it'll be blowouts like everyone else does. You know what's funny is, <laughs> like, there, there's so many super regionals this weekend, Pierce. Like, um, like Oklahoma State and Oregon, I think is a good example. R- really, a good example is probably every other super regional. If you say, "Well, I think that this is going to be closer than what most people think," you probably mean a three-game series, right? But it seems like most people around here, well, this may not be that easy. But no one's picking OU to win in three games. Everyone's picking OU to win in two. Which is seemingly like a pretty easy time when it comes to a super regional. So we'll see. I I uh, I'm no different than than Pierce or Parker. I also have OU winning in two games. I think game one's going to be tight though. I think Valerie Cagle is going to come out and pitch pretty well early on. OU's going to scratch a run across and maybe like the uh, the second or third inning. I say Jordy Ball gets the start tomorrow. OU wins four to one. They get a couple of insurance runs, like in the sixth inning. OU wins four to one in game one, and let's say they win like a seven to one in game two. Like I think, um, I think Clemson's pitching staff can have some success, but I think OU's pitching staff is going to have more success than Valerie Cagle or Clemson. Like e- even if you think Cagle is the you real want deal. To- and- She's going to shut. Like, I just, dude, I cannot pick against this OU pitching staff right now. Like, I won't be shocked if Clemson scores two runs all weekend long, Parker. You want you want my hot take, my hottest of takes with regard to the Super Regional matchup, Tyler? Please. Please, let's hear it. Clemson doesn't score a single run. Ooh, buddy. Um, I'd say... I, it is a hot take, I guess, for a Super Regional, but the team's ERA is sub-1. So would it be all that shocking if Clemson doesn't score the entire weekend? I don't know if anyone will be – it'll be impressive for sure, but will really anyone be surprised? Uh, maybe not. They're just, they're just that good right now. Uh, Softball Steve on the text line says, when the, uh, when the Sooners score big on Tigers, the start of the game, they need to play – Got to get the tiger by the tail by Buck Owens. Sooners 10, Tigers 3. I'm seeing a lot of predictions today, or I have seen a lot of predictions today. I haven't seen anything other than OU in two games. From the 918, OU in two, and then we send Mike White in his Amber Alert mustache back to Austin. 
Is that the meanest thing that that's is been hilarious. said to Mike White? Is that the meanest thing that's been said to him? That is I, like I, I'm, I'm not laughing because I like I feel bad if I laugh. But that's hilarious. <laughs> like objectively, that is hilarious. That's one of the most colorful descriptions of Mike White that uh, I've ever heard. Yeah, you won't. I mean, you may not look at him any. Uh, you know. The same way. Now, moving forward, that's that's pretty awesome. So, between the three of us and seemingly everyone in the text line, uh, we all have uh, OU winning in two games over Clemson. One seed versus the 16th seed. Game one tomorrow at 1 p.m. All right, I'm at Sooner Station, Senior Living. Independent Living is 55 and up. They also have assisted living and memory care. And they will be celebrating their one-year anniversary next week on June 1st. All the amenities you could ask for. Pool. Full bar uh, in the sports pub. Uh, they've got workout rooms, a restaurant, live music, full-service salon, fire pits, courtyards. And the residents love them some OU softball. I was just talking with uh, OU softball a few minutes ago with one of the residents. They will be piled in here in the sports pub to watch OU and Clemson tomorrow. Probably will for the uh, OU baseball game tonight as well. But they love the Sooners over here. The pub's got all the OU memorabilia on the walls. It's a, it's a really, really cool spot. Sooner Station, Senior Living. Give Meredith a call to set up a visit, 580-229-6961. That's 580-229-6961 or SoonerStation.com. All right, final hour of the rush rolls on next. Keep it locked to the ref. This is your home for Sooner fans. The Ref Sports Radio Network. OU Baseball coming your way 7.30 tonight. It'll be live on The Ref. Uh, You can stream that, KREF. Search it in the App Store, our free app. If you you don't have our app already, come on. You can listen to our daily shows. You can listen to uh, OU Baseball with games like tonight. The official KREF app. Just search KREF in the App Store. You can listen to The Ref wherever you're at on the go. Parker is at Westwood Golf. What's going on over there at Westwood today? There's a lot going on at Westwood today. There's a lot going on at Westwood this summer. We continue to look forward to the 48th annual Westwood Invitational, which is going to be July 1st through the 3rd, presented by OklahomaTickets.com. Look, if you're trying to play some golf in a competitive environment, whether you're a seasoned pro or just somebody that enjoys competition and enjoys shooting the breeze on the golf course, the fee is $275. If you're going to ride, $225. If you're going to walk, uh, there are six flights. So the championship flight is for zero to two handicaps. I, I, I will not be playing in that classification, Tyler. You have the master's yeah. flight, two to four handicap. The first flight, five to seven. The second flight's eight to ten. The third flight's 11 through 13. And the fourth flight is 14 and up, which is probably the flight that the vast majority of our staff and our listenership would find themselves in. Golf is a very hard game to get good at, but it's a ton of fun to play, and there's no better place in Norman to play it than Westwood Golf. Now, you can register online for the Westwood Invitational, or you can call the Pro Shop or come out here and sign up in person. But that is the 48th annual Westwood Invitational, July 1st through the 3rd. Uh, update at the Big 12 Tournaments. 4C TCU is up on 8C Kansas 5-3, to three, but they're just in the top of the fourth. And KU has a couple of runners on with just one out. So OU and Tech tonight again at 7.30. OU wins today. They are absolutely in an NCAA regional, and they get tomorrow off. 
they'll be in a really good situation Saturday where they'll have to lose two games to not make the Big 12 tournament championship game. So win tonight, and you're in as good of a spot as you could be in in the Big 12 tournament. Dude, here is a great question from the 918. Since we're celebrating 100 days until the return of OU football, what's been the most stressful? What was the most stressful home game to watch in the last 23 years? Is it the Army game in 2018? And I have to say absolutely, positively, that that's a yes. There's been some stressful home games. There's been close games like uh, against Tulane that you barely won. There's been a few losses to Kansas State here recently. But with the style of play of Army, where they would hold the ball for like eight to nine minutes at a time, yes, to me, even though you won that game, you had a chance to win it in regulation and you missed a field goal, the most stressful home game to watch in the past 23 years, yes, Texter the 918. I will say it's Army as well. That's a great question, though. And I... And I would concur with you because not only did you have the slow burn nature of the way that Army plays the game with the triple option offense and how much, I believe they held the ball for almost 45 minutes of clock yeah. time in that football game. You're, you're dealing with a team that runs a very antiquated style of offense on one side and then on the Oklahoma sideline you have Kyler Murray and one of the most capable quick strike offenses of all time in college football. So the con- the contrast in styles essentially meant that if Army was able to control the clock, it was anybody's game. But if they weren't, Oklahoma was going to run away. Well, Army did control the clock. And so you're sitting there, Tyler, and you have that black cloud hanging over your head throughout the entirety of the second half and on into overtime. Like, oh, my goodness. Are they going to lose to a service academy running the triple op? It's not 1947 anymore, Tyler. Well, it felt like 1947 that night when OU got stuffed on that fourth and goal from around the one. Yeah, man, I legitimately thought there's a real chance that OU does not get the football back and they lose in regulation to Army. But, um, and and that was the thing nationally, man, is, you know, you're so trained if you're just at home watching games across the country that, hey, oh, my gosh, OU's about to lose. Let me flip it over to that channel. Well, that game was on pay-per-view that night. Not ESPN Plus like it is now, one game a year. That was on pay-per-view. So I I wonder what the Texas fan or even the Oklahoma State fan, like what they did and how they were reacting, Parker, because, yeah, they wanted to flip it over to see if OU was about to lose to Army at home. Couldn't really do that with pay-per-view being $59.99 or something like that. So maybe social media was big at that point, but that was an interesting element to that game as well, that it was close, but no one could really watch it. That's true. That was a pay-per-view game, wasn't it? Gosh, thank God the pay-per-view over or the pay-per-view era is over at the University of Oklahoma because there was nothing more annoying than having to pay 55 bucks to watch a singular football game. Yeah, for sure. Those days are over, though. ESPN Plus will have a game this year. Uh, Going to be the SMU game or the Arkansas State game. We'll, we'll see which one. But uh, either one, which, whichever one's ESPN Plus, uh, almost guaranteed to be a night game, I, I would imagine. Probably 6 p.m. start there. Uh, 4.05, they struggled against Air Force at home as well. Yeah, 2010 they did. I feel like OU had a pretty healthy lead for the most part, but then Air Force made a comeback in the second half. And, yeah, yeah. Um, nearly was able to win that game over an OU team that uh, won the Big 12 championship that year in 2010. Hey, um, I read, I spent 10 minutes today 
like when I when I read a story or when I read a headline today, Parker, that said, um, "Hey, here's the real side of former USC AD Mike Bone that you may not know." You knew that I was all in on that. I was absolutely all in to find the uh, deep, dark secrets about Mike Bone and maybe how he wasn't the most outstanding citizen while he was an AD at Cincinnati and USC. And it's come out in the past few days that maybe Mike liked to uh, make some comments that he shouldn't, and that's one of the reasons why he's out the door at USC. So apparently this guy, Parker, is one that... He didn't really know the athletes on any personal level. He really didn't know who the athletes are unless it was Caleb Williams, who just won the Heisman Trophy. So Petros Papadakis, he is, uh, I believe he still does a national show on Fox Sports Radio. He's still out in California. He is a uh, former USC running back, I, f- I feel like from like 97 to 2000. Anyway, he was uh, on the sidelines during a game in like 2019, and Petros was talking to a couple of his former teammates on the sideline, and Mike Bone came up and introduced himself to those two teammates of his, and he said, hey, uh, I know you guys are alums. I want you guys around the program as much as, as much as possible. Petros goes up to the AD and says, hey, dude, they're on your staff. He had no idea like who was actually assistants on the football staff. He just went up to them like they were regular football alums. They just rode on the same plane to away games, and he had like no idea who anyone was. He wasn't apparently there half the time. It was a complete joke, his tenure at USC. Like, and he even left Cincinnati amidst like an investigation for conduct while he was there. Um, if you really dig into this guy, it's, it's pretty bad, dude. It's, it's not good. Uh, yeah, that's big yikes. And I listen, I'm, I'm not saying birds of a feather always flock together. And I'm not saying Lincoln Riley, Muleshoe himself, is culpable in some of the same aspects that Mike Bone is. So I'm not trying to, like, slander Muleshoe. But that's the guy that hired Muleshoe at USC, Tyler. So I, 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 I do – it makes you wonder – is there going to be a trickle down effect now that the new eight or that rather or now that the old AD is gone that some of his hand picked hires naturally regardless of how much they're getting paid regardless of how well liked they are nationally you get a new AD on the scene sometimes they have a new vision i wonder if that uh, the very presence of new leadership only encourages mule shoe all the more to look for greener pastures at the NFL level. Maybe. I just it's just wild to me that an AD at a school like USC, a football blue blood, wouldn't even know a couple of assistant coaches that were standing there on the sidelines. That's just that's just wild to me. I mean, it, it feels like 90% of our text line could name every single assistant that OU has right now. And there are a lot of assistants. The AD at USC wouldn't know or didn't know every single assistant on the football staff. It's just, I don't know, man. It's just wild to me. But maybe that's just the Pac-12. Maybe that's how they roll out there in that conference. Um, AJ in Edmond on the text line says, are there any rumblings of Jacob Lacey being out for the 2023 season? Now, Jacob Lacey is a Notre Dame transfer, and we're getting a lot of these texts today. So is there any truth or any rumblings? Is that a rumor about Jacob Lacey being out for the season for some for some particular reason. 
That is a ru- yes, that is a rumor right now. I have not been able to confirm the validity of that rumor thus far this afternoon, mostly because I, I've been on air, obviously. But uh, that there are rumblings out there. I'm not sure how much validity there is to those rumblings yet, but that's something that has increasingly begin, uh, begun to cause tremors across OU social media. There's also rumors that OU has offered a transfer defensive tackle in Philip Paya. So that kind of adds to um, maybe some of those rumors with Jacob Lacey. Those are, I, I guess it's still unconfirmed if OU really offered transfer defensive tackle Philip Paya, who has two years of eligibility left and uh, played at Utah State last year. Played He's in got three two games, years Scott left? Hurts. That's what I read earlier today that he had two years left. Now, with someone like Philip Paya, oh, who yeah, is at Utah I mean, State, maybe that's not the case. But maybe they think he's going to get a medical after he only played in three games last year. I don't know. He mu- I, fig- I figure he must have done – I wonder if he did a mission. I wonder if he did an LDS mission. That's just me speculating. But uh, he was on the roster at Michigan for four years, 2017 to 2020. He graduated high school – in the class of oh gosh, let me see. I gotta find his profile here. But he was basically this is a guy that's gotta be what, twenty four, twenty five years old, something like that. So it's wild if he actually does have two years of eligibility left. But yeah, he that, he put it out there in the tweet, I guess, that he does have two years of eligibility. So we'll see. We'll see if that's the case. We'll see if he really got an offer from uh, from OU. Six foot four, three hundred and five pounds. Uh, 310 area code USC is not the best at hiring ADs. Yeah, that's another point that that article uh, kind of highlighted is the embarrassment that USC athletics has been to former players over the past, what, 15 years or so. The embarrassment of firing a head coach on a tarmac. The embarrassment of a current head coach dropping the F-bomb at a uh, booster event because he was hammered on the stage. They laid out several instances to where this was really a bad look and embarrassing for USC. And when you go down the list, it's like, golly, man, they are not the most well-run athletic department, or at least they haven't been for a while. So the statement is that USC is not the best at hiring ADs. After reading that story today, yeah, I would, I would definitely, I would definitely agree with that. Uh, 405-651-3439 is the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Yeah, yeah. what do you got? And we'll hit a break. I'm, I'm doing some more background research on Philip Paya, and I, like, I cannot make the math add up as to how this guy has two years of eligibility left because he redshirted at Michigan in 2017. He played in 2018. He played in 2019 primarily on the scout team. Obviously, 2020, that year's a wash. COVID exemption. So I he must have gotten some waiver or something somewhere along the line because just based on everything that he has everything that's on his resume to this point at the collegiate level and the presence of in game appearances in multiple seasons, all that would lead you to conclude that he has at most one year left. But if he's got two years left, he must have gotten some waiver that know, yeah. is over my head. It's a it's an interesting deal, but yes, that's a thing. Or or, or maybe he thinks he's going to get another year, um, and he's under the assumption that that's going to happen, but it's really not. I, I don't know. But he just he uh, he put out that he has two years of eligibility left. Philip Paya. We'll, we'll see if that's even a 
realistic situation. I'm sure we'll know that by tomorrow. All right, uh, a couple more segments remaining on this Thursday. Keep it locked right here on The Ref. We're the Homeless Sooner fans. The Ref Radio Sports Network is powered statewide by the insurance adjusters at Brown O'Haver. Fire, wind, theft, or tornado, we can help. Call 405-735-5510. Final hour of the rush, Riverwind Casino and Hotel, bringing you the final hour. Tyler McComas, Parker Thune, Sooner Station Senior Living is where I'm at today. Independent, independent living, 55 and up. They also have assisted living and memory care. They're celebrating their one-year anniversary next Thursday, June 1st. Guess what? You're invited. They're having a party out here from 4 to 6 p.m. Soonerstation.com, they've got all the amenities, pool, full bar in the sports pub, workout rooms, live music every week. Full-service salon, fire pits, and when I tell you a whole lot more, trust me, a whole lot more amenities. Call Meredith today to set up a visit, 580-229-6961. That's 580-229-6961, or again, that is Soonerstation.com. Again, OU Baseball, 730 tonight. You can catch that on the ref. Download our free app in the App Store. Just search KREF. How do we feel about the uh, the big major league ballpark and the cavernous feel that we have during the Big 12 tournament? Um, would we rather have it at, at, at a smaller minor league park to make it look more full, or does the cavernous look not not affect anyone and it's still the the right location? What what, what do you think? I I know that we're not there, but it just looks so empty when they do crowd shots. Well, and here's the deal. Until you get to the College World Series, I think whatever venue you put it in is going to feel somewhat empty unless it's a real, real intimate environment just because baseball, even a conference tournament, just isn't going to command some of the same crowds that you see for other sports in their conference tournaments. So I don't have a problem with them playing it at Globe Life. Is it Globe Life Field or is it Globe Life Park? Yeah. I can never Fields. remember. It's, it's stupid that there's even a distinction to be made there they should just it should be called the new globe life field or the new globe life park but uh here we are but yeah i i don't have a problem with them playing it there and i think the more you can control in a tournament environment the better off everybody is and so playing it in a dome and it's very rare because I'm kind of a traditionalist i don't advocate for climate control in the sport of baseball very often but uh, especially because everybody's playing essentially for a spot in the regionals and uh, everybody's playing to get into the field of 64. You don't want to get into a situation where weather comes into play and jacks with your schedule and all of a sudden you got teams feeling like they're getting hung out to dry or put at a disadvantage. Well, apparently uh, that's a yearly tradition out in Hoover, Alabama, where the SEC has its uh, conference tournament, and mm-hmm. there's been some rumblings that maybe SEC commissioner would like to move the SEC tournament to a ballpark that is climate-controlled and does have a roof. Atlanta doesn't have that. Nashville doesn't have that. They just have a AAA team there. Really the only spots in the uh, SEC footprint are Arlington, Globe Life Field, Houston. Um, they, they have a retractable roof, so there is a thought-slash-hope with fans around here that, hey, Maybe the SEC baseball tournament 
will play in Arlington and not in Hoover. I, if that happens, I think that that would be several years down the road, but at least for OU baseball fans, that would be fantastic if you were two and a half hours away from the SEC baseball tournament because I feel like most SEC championships that you're going to play in are going to require a plane flight. The football game will be in Atlanta. I think the basketball game coming up is going to be in Nashville. Uh, baseball might be your best chance to have it seemingly in your own backyard. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's softball too, right? Like, yeah. Oklahoma. And they do that at home side, so there's a chance for... that could be in OKC. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I'm just thinking, like, with Love's Field, once that ballpark's construction is officially complete, you're going to have what ought to be the premier softball facility in the SEC, the premier softball venue, I should say. Yeah. I mean, I, I say OKC, like. The SEC and the Big 12, I guess, technically play on the same weekend, so that would be tough to, to manage. But I don't know if uh, the OKC is booting the Big 12 out anytime soon. But I feel like the SEC recently, like, they played it in Fayetteville uh, this year. So I think that maybe they do home sites for the SEC softball tournament. And you're right. If that continues, then OU is going to have a really good claim. Uh, to, to host that uh, at one point or the other. 917 says, got on late and caught the tail end of Parker discussing our difficulty recruiting elite defensive tackles. Has something new happened, or was it just in reaction to the panic-driven negativity since Saturday? Yeah, more just in reaction to the panic-driven negativity would be the answer to that. No, nothing new has really happened since Zadavian Sims committed to Oregon this past weekend. Look, David Stone got back on campus with Oklahoma this past week, had a good time, still really liking where OU sits in that race. And that's a guy that you have to have for a lot of reasons. But if you get him, man, I think regardless of whether he's an in-state kid or not, regardless of how much you think he should end up at Oklahoma, regardless of who the coaching staff is, that's a feather in the cap for Todd Bates to – withstand charges from programs like Miami and Florida sure. and Oregon and Ohio State and Alabama to keep a five-star defensive tackle, the number one player nationally at his position, close to home. So I'm very curious to see whether Oklahoma can maintain the pole position for David Stone, but if they close out on him, man, oh, man, that is a capstone for this recruiting class sure. and a big one. You know, as much panic as we as we had on the show on Monday, there's going to be, I think, equal amount of celebration if they get Stone or Winery or both in this class. You know, because that, to me, we've talked about what defensive line recruiting looks like nationally and how NIL heavy that is, maybe more than any other position. Like defensive line, defensive tackle, and quarterback, probably one and two. When and if they get that first five-star defensive line, like, Parker, not only is that going to be a win at a critical position other top programs, it's going to be a win against NIL as well. And I know OU doesn't have a ton of wins necessarily (laughs) against the bag, but that's what that's going to be if they get one of those guys, which will be pretty significant. Oh, it's a huge win over the bag. And moreover, we've talked about this before, too. A kid like David Stone, as active on social media as he is, as outgoing as he is, as connected as he is with his peers, if you get him committed, he's going to be a dynamic peer recruiter for you. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Brazilian Sooner, don't you think the dominoes will fall if Stone commits? Well, I think that's what kind of Parker's saying is 
yeah, I mean, he's going to be he's going to be your Jackson Arnold from last year's class in terms of recruiting on social media. You don't have a five star quarterback in this class, but you have a five star defensive lineman, and uh, yeah, he'll try to he'll try to put a, pl- a, a a class together and probably have some success doing that as well. All right, final segment of the day is coming up next. I'm at Sooner Station, University of North Park in Norman. Parker is at Westwood Golf in Norman. We'll be back one final time coming up next. This is your home for Sooner fans, the Ref Sports Radio Network. Final segment of the day, wrapping it up on this Thursday. Sooner Station, University of North Park in Norman. Parker is at Westwood Golf in Norman. And Pierce, do we have a first in a certain program history that happened today? Is that what you were telling me? Yes, we do. Canada's own Lane Sleeth becomes the first Sooner in program history to reach the NCAA semifinals after defeating Angelica Blake today. So it's about time you start buying stock on the women's tennis team. They had a great run last year. Uh, finishing second in the ITA indoors. That's the first time in program history they made it that far. And then another one today, they've got a promising freshman with Julia Garcia-Ruiz. This team is really, really good. They're going to make a lot of noise in the coming years. Yeah, they were, uh, like you said, really good last year. I'm glad you clarified it was women's tennis because for a second there I was like, what, what, what sport are we talking about? I was <laughs> oh, totally confused. Bad, those bad. were, those were two names I did not recognize, and I was like, oh, so it's clearly something individual. But no, there you go. Oklahoma has had a strong tennis program over the years, especially on the women's side, and it sounds like that trajectory continues. Hey, uh, I'm reading more and more about the new EA uh, Sports College Football game that's coming out next year. I'm excited about mm. that, even though I don't have a console. Um, that was just a big part of my childhood, so I'm excited for all the other kids to get to grow up and uh, play that video game. It was awesome. Um, I'm just wondering. Hey, can we uh, can we get a console at the station? Like yes, we don't we individually can. have to own one, but I, like, I feel like that's a worthy investment. That's a worthy investment that the vineyards need to make on all of our behalves. Uh, yeah, dynasty mode. Let's do it. I'm just wondering who the commentators are going to be in that game, and I'm trying to figure out who I want in that game. Do I want Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt and Gus to say, lobs it up every time we, you throw a ball down the field? I, could, could I handle, could we handle Gus and Joel Klatt in the booth? I don't know. Maybe you have to go for something calmer. I'm just wondering who that duo is going to be. I feel, yeah, like should, it, I feel like it should vary with the level of the game. You know, if you make it to the playoff, yeah. <laughs> but, like, if you're yeah. playing – if you're playing Southeastern Arkansas Tech Week One, I don't think you get that when you get some two students that go to your school. McElroy. Yeah, exactly. yeah. No, two students at the school are calling the game. If you play a crap team like that, and if you're at a bad school, you know. But yeah, uh, Greg McElroy calling your game eleven o'clock on ESPN two. Yeah, that would uh, that'd probably be pretty rough. Zane says, FYI, we won't have to wait too long for a commitment from Danny Okoye. I plan on sending him some tweets his way shortly. Thank you, Zane. Thank you for helping out the OU recruiting efforts there, trying to get Danny Okoye, depending on which service you look at, uh, the number one or number two player in the state. That'll do it for us, as always. Appreciate the uh, interaction on the text line. OU Baseball at 730, live on the ref. Search KREF in the App Store. Appreciate Pierce for hanging out with us today as well. We'll talk to you tomorrow right here on the ref. Come on, so finish your whiskey.